Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by FanDuel with a promo code 4 for 4. New FanDuel users can take advantage of their risk-free bet. Get up to $1,000 back if you don't win. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Enter our promo code 4 for 4 and take advantage. I'm Ryan Noonan, joined here as always by my friends, Connor Allen, John Daigle. Connor, what's going on? Not much, man. I'm, I'm feeling a lot better than last week. It was uh, a pretty rough scene for me uh, on here, especially. I mean, even before the show, Daigle was not convinced that I would last even 20 minutes and we went for two hours. So uh, feeling a lot better. Uh, voice is back, healthy, you know, feeling good. Nice. Daigle, you've been busy, man. Grinding redraft and best ball and news and everything. What's going on with you, my friend? John Paulson's projections come out Friday, their first release, which means... Next week is very, very big at 444 between best ball tiers, my write-ups coming out. Also working on some other articles like exploiting the default ranks. I've been very busy across sites and best ball. Underdog's our partner, but we know that I like to get busy in the streets. So yeah, it's it's been a very busy time, but also next week is very, very big. So looking forward to it. Also, I have a bone to pick. Which one of you created the tweet to promote this show this afternoon that would be uh producer sal um okay who is not not here i am absolutely shocked then because i expected to yell at one of you <laughs> because the tweet yet again mentioned central time zone when i'm trying to make it clear to everyone in the oh whole- no no that was me that was me that was okay me. yeah tweet. i thought you were talking about That's the one that we thought. have now yeah, no, that was me. Why? Why? What's wrong? You don't like to operate on Central Time Zone? I, I only, got, the show is not for people that only live near you. The show the is the only for time zone that matters, Daigle. It's actually the worst. As someone who has quite literally lived in every time zone, Central is definitely the worst. I mean, it just it covers. No, there's not really good. Excuse yeah, no, for it. You, I don't know. No, I, don't know. I got, I got nothing. I got nothing. Yeah. What do, so, what do you prefer? Eastern. Do you well, prefer Eastern, Central, Pacific, imagine, all, just to make sure that you don't offend anyone, or is that uh, not offensive? Imagine if you wanted to see a show on, in Colorado. Let's say someone's hosting from there, and then they put it in Mountain Time. Like, would you even be able to configure that without thinking first? Everyone works from Eastern. First backwards. of all, yes, because That's I'm not a moron. But I get your points. <laughs> we've, we've, you and I have gone down this road. I get reprimanded uh, during a Pat Mayo uh, experience visit where I like cited one of the show times as being Central Time, and he said, "Well, what the fuck is Central Time?" Um, you know, and Pat doesn't even. He lives in like, I don't know. He's in like. I don't know, Prince Edward Island or something. He's not even in Eastern time. He is uh, east of Eastern time. So he is, uh, you know, Marine time or whatever like that opposite, is. Yeah. What, what is opposite Hawaii time? I think we're, yeah. so, I think we've gone down a road now where we just look ignorant. Yeah. So I get it. Daigle made a good point. Pat made a good point that day. I think that the world is used to it, regardless of whether you live in Eastern or not, you've kind of fixed your brain to know what to do there. So, uh, Connor, good for you, though. Taking the bullet. Very easily could have thrown Sal under the bus. He's not here. Uh, he made the show this week in, in betting, which, you know, we then have uh, turned this into an NFL awards show. So we very much could have thrown Sal under the bus and, and uh, had no problems doing so. Sal also lives in Toronto, so I knew he wasn't speaking in Central He's in Canada. Vancouver. <laughs> Vancouver, sorry, Vancouver. Yeah. Now I'm just getting my uh, Canadian mixed up. Yeah, he's all over. So, uh, again, uh, award season. We're going to dip dip into uh, some of the award markets that are out there. Again, big day tomorrow. Again, John mentioned some of the stuff that is coming down the pipeline at four for four, but tomorrow is schedule release day too. So like we have a lot of good stuff going on as far as that's going to be coming up in the next couple of shows. So like we're getting into divisional previews. We'll get into team stuff that I think is a little bit more actionable once we have that schedule. Of course, we know who everyone's playing right now, but when you get a, a an understanding of what the order is, what those, the cadence of days off road games, all of those things, it's a little bit better for, for that to dive in. So we'll pause on that. Look for that for the coming weeks. Um, reminder that we are doing a show every week, every Wednesday in the spot in the off season. So subscribe, rate and review, whether you're listening to podcast form, YouTube, super appreciate it. Um, betting sub at four for four is going to get you access to everything on the sites. We highly recommend that. It is a profitable venture for you. You will get all of the work that Daigle is doing on the underdog side. You'll get Paulson's rankings. You'll get literally access to everything. League sync if you're playing standard league still, all that stuff, all the betting stuff. Love it because we're still rocking and rolling with betting. Even though it's not football season, we still have lots of stuff, NBA, MMA, 
golf, lots of stuff going on. So, gentlemen, awards. Let's kick it off at the very top of the board. We will share our new awards odds future page here on the site under the betting tab here. Dig into the MVP market to start. Um, before we start, I guess I want to circle back. Uh, Connor, you can leave that up. Uh, talk to me about how you approach futures. Um, how do you allocate funds? Do you have a set amount of funds that you allocate for this market? Uh, basically, how do you approach this? Again, knowing that you're basically holding cash or credit in some instances, if you can, uh, for months. Obviously, we're not getting paid out on the majority of these until January, sometimes February. Yeah. I mean, in, in large field markets like MVP, uh, a lot of the ones we're going to talk about today, uh, I like to bet longer shots or at least something that is over like 10 to one or 15 to one uh, at the bare minimum. And a lot of that is because when you bet in the chalk onto large field markets, like so much can go wrong. And like you said, you're tying up your money for the longest like months, like, you know, three quarters of a year, potentially, uh, depending on when you bet it. So, you know, while we're looking at it here, Josh Allen is number like, rightfully one of the top bets to be the MVP plus 700. But on the other hand, I mean, there's just so much that can go wrong with that. There's so like so many other guys can play well and you're not getting paid out enough, I think. So that's kind of by my strategy, like just really don't bet the chalk. And very rarely do we see the chalk hit, in my opinion, at least what I've noticed over the past couple of years. So that's just generally been my strategy. Now it's a different strategy on like, you know, player process or binary Obviously, I'm willing to take minus 110 on those because the expected value and your edge is way, way higher. I don't mind betting quote unquote chalk. Usually what I see as the chalk is not typically the public chalk, so that's fine. But I do know it becomes chalk most of the time by week one. So if anything, I would just stress getting in early. If you think a favorite should be the favorite, but it's not just yet. And that's the way I will handle it if I'm betting these markets. Yeah, we'll start with MVP. MVP is a it's a quarterback award at this point, right? It is uh, 12 of the last 13 have been quarterbacks. The lone standout there is uh, the 2012 season of Adrian Peterson. Um, and again, that feels like a million years ago uh, in relation to how the game is played and, and how this is uh, done nowadays. We've had some fairly terrific. Uh, Derrick Henry obviously jumps to mind uh, as far as running back performances. Um you know, a, a great receiving performance is often going to be tied to that quarterback as well. So even those things seem to lead this to be a quarterback award. Even if you take a look at um, some markets have offensive player of the year, if you look at that, it's almost exclusively non-quarterbacks. The quarterbacks are buried in that because they've basically relegated offensive player of the year uh, to guys that are not QBs. So you start to see running backs, receivers at the top of that board. So we won't go long on that one today. Um, but quarterbacks at the top makes sense. As you see, you know, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady. Um, there's lots of buzz. Again, you can see here discrepancy with books. So if you have a preference here, there are, there are not a lot of different numbers on Josh Allen. Uh, but if you tickle a Justin Herbert down low, uh, Patrick Mahomes at DraftKings is, is a look. Um, these things tend to um, even out as we get closer to week one, Dale. Any thoughts here at the very top of the board, obviously later with quarterbacks? There are only three players I would bet in this market, and two of them are favorites, so people don't want to bet them anyhow, and that would be Tom Brady or Russell Wilson. I think the most logical long shot, not even a long shot really at 25 to 1 right now, but would be Lamar Jackson since everything the Ravens have done this offseason has been trying to tell us they are not the offense of last year. I think we talked about this post-draft in our draft grade show, but literally think about how much had to happen in order for the Ravens to become what they were last year between starting running backs going down by being unlucky, essentially, with pre-week one injuries, followed by offensive line and defensive line injuries. And then that, of course, created an uptick in negative game scripts and the offense needing to score points. They do not want to be that. Lamar Jackson is MVP year. Yes, teams only had five games of film on him in his second year when he won MVP in 2019, but he did throw 20 more touchdowns and only three games played. So with a career-high 32 pass attempts per game last year, which is five more per game than any other season he's had, 
they want to go back to Lamar Jackson being the running quarterback and playing defense. Everything they did, even a drafting multiple tight ends in the fourth round this year, tells they want to run jumbo packages now that Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins are both back. And that's not necessarily bad for Lamar Jackson's MVP role. Uh, yes, it's probably bad for fantasy for trying to shove in ancillary stack options, but last year was the time to stack them anyways, given what we knew about regression. This is not the year to stack Lamar Jackson. I think he can single-handedly get this done. So, yeah, I think that's the the farthest I'd go down the board. Connor, I like the Lamar number two, obviously 25 to one. The one thing that is interesting here, the other quarterback MVP trend that I found that I thought was noteworthy was that the – quarterback here is basically had a an 11 win to 12 win minimal season so not only are we looking at a quarterback that's performing well we're looking at a quarterback tied to a winning team um so the lamar story is that you're telling yourself is that they return to where they are at the top of that division um because if they're going to still be middling at say 10 and 7 or something like that that's going to be a hard again doesn't mean that that's it's a trend doesn't mean that it can't be broken. He'd have to have a hell of a season for them to kind of be a fringe playoff team to win the MVP. But again, I, I kind of agree in the points that Daigle said at like 25 to one makes a lot of sense. So with that in mind too, knowing that we have to have some W's attached to the quarterback as well, uh, what's a good look for you at the top? Yeah. So, I mean, just to rehash quickly what you said, I mean, quarterbacks have won 11 of the last 12 years and that every quarterback who's won the MVP has won 11 or more games in during that same time span. So you have to bet on a quarterback on a winning team, kind of using those parameters. I think that there are some good longer shots and because we've seen it in the past few years. So a guy like Lamar Jackson was like 75 to hundred to one to win MVP. A guy like Patrick Mahomes was hundred to one to win MVP when he won. Um, you know, like there, are, there are plenty of examples. I think Aaron Rodgers was a little chalkier, but I think he was even, you know, like whatever 40 to one in some places uh, last year as well. So I think you're able to kind of go further down the board, but uh, you know, like kind of projecting which teams fit into those parameters or like quarterbacks could fit in those parameters kind of is how you find the value there. So kind of going further down the board, I really, really like your Russell Wilson call. I think 16 to one is a good look. That's probably the highest actually that I would play um, in terms of like something chalkier, um, just because I think if they win the division, I think Russell Wilson's almost certainly in the MVP conversation and probably more of like a, you know, three or four to one kind of look like closer to the end of the season. Uh, but like a, a longer shot that I kind of like further down the board, a guy like Jalen Hurts, 40 to one at Caesars. Uh, I mean, we talked about this on our last show. The Eagles could very easily win the division. If they're winning the division, they're probably in that 11 to 12 win range. Um, I mean, if he takes that step forward, they got AJ Brown. They have a better, they have a top three offensive line, you know, according to most metrics. Like I think that he's in a great position to succeed. It's a very volatile bet. Obviously it's 40 to one. You know, I'm not putting a full unit on that, but I think that it, at that point, kind of the expectations that we have for them, I think it's certainly in play. Now it would, it would take a lot, but I think it's, it's viable. It's something that I like there. Um, if you want to go even further down, I know um, our boy Dalton Cates in the chat here and I both played Trey Lance MVP at 150 to one, 200 to one. That's down to 60 to one. Uh, this point, it's probably not playable for me considering we're not even sure if he's going to start. Um, but you know, I think that he has that kind of volatile range of outcomes that you're kind of looking for. If you're taking a long shot, like you shouldn't be betting on boring guys who have no chance. Uh, I mean, you shouldn't be betting on Cooper cup. Like we kind of uh, like went through that. You shouldn't be betting on any running backs. Um, these are the kinds of long shots you're taking one last long shot. <clears throat> I mean, something that's gotten bet down a little bit, opened up 150 to one. To a tongue of Iloa, 75 to one right oh, now. Good Lord. Uh, I mean, I mean, again, we did this last year. We did it seriously. We, we did. We did. played out. Connor. We did. We did. We you got to get fresh material. You can't go see, if I go see a stand-up act from two to three years ago, I know that some of that stuff is on the shelf. They've been in the lab. They've been working on new material. You got to find some new material. Yeah. But I mean, Lamar looks like, you know, Helen Keller. Uh, I mean, heading into his like MVP season, he was legitimately dreadful. Um, he couldn't, he couldn't come back. Like, I'm just saying Patrick Holmes was like a nobody. I mean, Tua, look, I mean, he, they added Tyreek. It could happen. He looks stronger. The throw today that went around Twitter was a disaster, but, um, I don't know. You guys have any other long shots that you think like could play out? I'm not saying that they're ones that you like love and you're rushing to bet, but ones that you can kind of like tell yourself a story and say like, oh, it's possible. I mean, we, we have seen it in recent years. Yeah. I don't hate Tua, uh, but I, I don't love you know, again, if we had to tell ourselves the story that they're like a 12 win football team, which they kind of have to do historically over the last, you have to beat years, the bills. They gotta Sorry, beat the yeah. bills, And I can't, you know, I can't get there. And that's kind of it. Like, I that's think too, fair. it can be a, I think he's better than what we've seen. I think another year of being healthy is great, but uh, you know, an MVP bet is, is not something that 
uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna dabble into. Yeah, I mean, I kind of like the rust, like you said at the top, Connor. I think the rust is kind of. Um, I think they're a play shorter that make a lot of sense. I mean, obviously Josh Allen makes a lot of sense, even though he's chalk um, at the top of the board. But uh, you know, I'm kind of with, I'm kind of good with the top tier of you know maybe picking a Josh Allen or Russ, getting a little bit of Lamar. Um, there's just not a ton of of long shots that I love. Um, if we go uh, up, the Jalen Hurts numbers is worth a look to at 40. On Russ quickly, he was last year the only quarterback who had thrown at least 30 touchdown passes in four consecutive seasons. And the only reason he fell short of doing it for a fifth consecutive season last year was because he played through that mallet finger from week 10 on. Last year was also the first time he didn't lead the league and percentage of targets thrown into the end zone for the first time since 2018. And just imagine how much ancillary talent he has now, much more and pass pro than Seattle had. So that's why I think everything points up for Russell Wilson. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that that's, that's probably a good look for sure. We have some ones in the comments here too, that I think are interesting. Um, a guy from our discord here, Dane is interested in Danny dimes, 150 to one to an MVP. I mean, that's, I think a leap forward uh, because like he mentions, they would have to win the division. He is an athletic QB though. Gets Brian Dable. Like, you know, he has, some weapons, I guess, uh, you know, like, I don't know. It, I, it's tough for me to get there, but at 150 to one, I think you could do worse. Well, the difference in Daniel Jones for best ball for rushing equity and like Daniel Jones MVP is clearly like the, the red sea, right? Like, it's just like, it's so, it's so big. Like you're talking, remember Daniel Jones was compared to Josh Allen last year. His number one receiver is still a player who hasn't been good in two years. Hasn't been healthy in two years. Like it'll be literally the first time Kenny Galladay has done anything for three years. If he performs well this offseason. Kadarius Tony, is he even going to be on the field? They were already trying to replace him pre-draft. Um, so I, I don't know, man. Saquon Barkley, I'm still not even convinced he, I'm not 100% convinced he's going to be on the active roster in week one. Like, I genuinely think it comes down, given that they can save money by cutting cutting him in his final year, I think it genuinely comes down to whether he's fully healthy in training camp. I don't think they bring him along slowly since they already tried to trade him. And, of course, no one wants a running back who hasn't gone over 100 yards in two years who's consistently injured. Totally good point. I get it. Like, you can tell yourself the story, and it's 150 to 1. But, um, because, again, just not a – not a way that I allocate bankroll um, as far as tying up uh, a long Dalton, shot like that. Get on Daniel Jones, 50 to so. one. This is the way you allocate bankroll. Yeah. <laughs> Dalton, Dalton would he, love to do this, he's so. coming into the chat here with uh, Mac Jones, a hundred to one. I mean, I yeah, just don't now think we're literally just looking starting like, quarterbacks um, at triple digits and throwing them out there. And it's just, there like, have, there has been some hype for Mac Jones second year and that the offense will change. Uh, I will be dead before I bet a quarterback for MVP who doesn't even have an OC, who will like be in week one without an OC. It's going to be between four different guys, two of them that shouldn't have jobs. I mean, the only way that he could even be in the conversation is if they have like the most dominant running game in football and most dominant defense and win like 15, 16 games. And he like throws no interceptions. Like, and even then, I don't even know if he'd get there. And that's like, that just like seems like a stretch. They're never going to open the, they're not like they told us they're not going to like open it up and just sling it around the yard now. Like they don't have the personnel to do it. So no, this is a very, very pro Mac Jones vibe over here. Um, and I can't, I can't get there with good faith and tell you that like, I think he could be a winning quarterback and help them win more games than anyone expects them to do again this year, just like he did last year. They're not winning the division. Um, you know, again, barring a Josh Allen injury, um, they are more so fighting with with Miami to be that second team. There's just not a scenario where Mac is winning the MVP at this point. So they just don't have the pieces to help him get there, and that's part of this too. So, um, yeah, I, I do think Jordan makes a good point. Uh, whatever QB wins the AFC West gets the MVP. Yeah, I mean, the best longest shot on the board here is you can find 40s on Derek Carr. Um, I don't like that quite as much. But again, I can see that because that is going to be just a dogfight of a division. That kind of leads me back to Russ. I do think narrative plays a role here too, more than we ever want it to be. And we'll get back to a really good start for Denver. We'll be seven, eight games in. They'll be rolling. And everyone will be talking about Russ has never even had an MVP vote in his entire career. And like we'll start to like drum up that again. And if they continue to roll, I think you get some groundswell of like pro-Russ media. And we see this in the NBA at times too, where there's like voter fatigue for NBA. And it's like, 
should Giannis get the award almost every year? Kind of. Like, even if Jokic has a great year again next year, he probably doesn't win the MVP regardless because people are kind of tired of voting for him, um, especially with some of the blowback on the Embiid stuff this year. We see that. We'll see that at the NFL too. Like, we just get kind of tired of, all right, Aaron Rodgers, no matter what he does this year, he has crossed off the list. They'll want to get some new blood. Mahomes would have to have kind of a super Mahomes season. That's why Josh Allen, even at the top of the board, makes a lot of sense and why kind of I think the number gets shorter on Russ. So Brady's the one they do not get tired of, especially knowing that it's probably his last year after he walked away for 13 minutes last season. And then also average 318 yards and three touchdowns per game with when Chris Godwin's on the field. It's just that everyone's last memory without him was the playoffs when he had no Chris Godwin, no Leonard Fournette, and no Antonio Brown, and then, of course, averaged six and a half yards per attempt. I think the answer very clearly is actually Tom Brady. Interesting. This is also not surprising. Uh, Feinberg chiming in with uh, Justin Herbert. <laughs> so hard to, hard to disagree, Jeff. Um, 14 on Bet MGM is a, probably a pretty good look. Again, there are lots of signs pointing to the Chargers being a – a sexy team and Herbert again could very well be because ah, we love him. The media loves him. He's done no wrong. Um, they've kind of been the oh shucks fallen short team for the last decade or so. Again, if they're trending well, uh, he is going to be much shorter than fourteen come week eight. So uh, no problem with the Herbert looks as well. All right, Connor, what do we got next? All right, we are moving to uh, comeback player of the year. Um, so. This is an interesting award because there isn't much like trends. There isn't many stats on, you know, kind of like who wins the award. Typically, it's mostly kind of award that's dictated by players coming back from injury or some kind of like feel good story. So some examples, Alex Smith, Andrew Luck, uh, Jordy Nelson, Keenan Allen, Joe Burrow, some examples of, you know, guys who came back from injury and are now, um, you know, playing significantly better. You know, maybe they're not the best player in the league, but they're coming back and playing to a point where they are, you know, competent. So let me pull up the odds board here for everyone to look at. So at the top here, we have Derrick Henry uh, plus 350 to win the award. Um, Deshaun Watson, another favorite here, plus 700. And the rest of the board is pretty interesting. I don't know. I think last year there was a few pretty good examples or ones that, you know, are actually reasons not to bet the chalk of, you know, Dak Prescott as well as Saquon Barkley were both favorites in this market last year. And uh, it ended up being Joe Burrow, you know, a little bit longer down the board. So do we, any of you guys have takes on this market or any anyone that you like here at the top? Yeah, I'll kick it to you, Daigle. 14 of the last 20 have gone to quarterbacks, as Connor said, most coming off major injury. I don't know where um, excessive hand jobs ranks in comeback uh, qualifications. I I don't know. I don't know. This is kind of the funniest part of comeback player of the year. Question. What's that? I had to think about that one for a second. <laughs> I just don't know what like the prerequisite of like, what are you coming back from? Like, are you coming like he's coming back from what being like a dry one? People, people will get stoned <laughs> like they're in Jerusalem all over again. If they no, it won't happen. Right. It they, literally they won't happen. They can't tie their name to that, right? Like uh, that's what people, I was thinking about. Like people, the people that, well, the one person that voted against Aaron Rodgers because he was not vaccinated for MVP, like that was bad enough. You you remember the vitriol on social media? Now take for all the allegations against Deshaun Watson, um, but under you know just a guy who's still expected to go to court uh, may get suspended. Like imagine all those things. There's no, there's no way in hell. There's no way. Like Trubisky, like what's he coming back from? Not having a job. It's not Trubisky. It's not Trubisky. He, Do you know what I mean? Like it's he may so not even start week one. Yeah. So this is you know he might not have a job again. So um, just the prerequisite of like, yeah, what actually qualifies you to be listed here? Again, a lot of it, as we've seen, these are injuries for the most part. Uh, Mariota, same instance. Uh, you know, coming back from not having a starting job for multiple years. I don't really understand it. Uh, Jeff asking, can Tua win? Like. Wants to drop me again. Well, we got Noonan in the stream with audio only, so um, we will keep rolling anyway. We can still hear you, but well, until now. Uh, my only lean would be Michael Thomas, and it seems like we have a comment in the chat for that. Um, and that's because injury, of course, but also just the fact that he still averaged uh, 10 targets per game, 10.3 targets per game the past two seasons uh, prior to you know, trying to return in 2020 on those seven games. So 
uh, yeah, like I think Michael Thomas can be a target hog yet again in return because that's all the storyline was last year, right? It was so easy to dwindle down between either Joe Burrow or Dak Prescott because both were coming back from injury. And I think that's all the comeback player of the year really is. I, I think that's a pretty good way to like kind of almost uh, add to your position if you're into Michael Thomas and fantasy, like kind of betting on this as well because you're getting a 10-to-1 return on that. Um, you know, like if you think he's going to be good in fantasy, you're drafting him in, I believe, the fifth, sixth round uh, ADP, maybe even fourth in some drafts. Uh, like you should also be betting this because, you, like you said, you know, if he is the guy that, you know, we've seen in previous years prior to his injury, um, basically is the lone target in this offense. I mean, he could absolutely smash. So I think that's a pretty good look. Another one that I like further down the board, uh, Christian McCaffrey, 18 to 1. Um, now going, I mean, I think the Panthers are going to be pretty bad, but I don't think that really matters too much of this award. He's going to get fed a ton. I mean, they literally fired Joe Brady because they weren't running the ball enough. Now I assume they're going to run the ball a ton, kind of make him the focal point of their offense. Uh, and he's coming back from an injury. So I don't really, uh, you know, Dalton mentioned it earlier. I don't really understand the disparity between Derrick Henry at plus 350 and Christian McCaffrey at 18 to one. I mean, that just seems like a massive, like mispricing in terms of the market, because McCaffrey is going to see a ton of work here. So, I, I mean, I think he should be closer to like, you know, whatever, eight to one, nine to one, kind of in that range rather than 18 to one. Yeah, I don't know what to make of that either. Um, it, it's there's just some weird ones down here that I don't really know. Again, I'm trying to think of like putting my mind in as a voter. Like, what am I considering? Like, who actually even registers for some of these? Because we see some of these guys don't even have a market form because maybe they're not really in consideration for what would qualify them to be eligible for this award. So it's really, it's really tricky. Um, you know, I expect big things from Juju Smith-Schuster this year. Um, a nice move to Kansas City. Uh, again, a young, talented, ascending player before the injuries. And now, like, he was played the majority of the year last year. Um, is now in a great offense that has some big holes to fill. I think he has a really nice year. Um, does he register in voters' minds for, like, a comeback player of the year? I don't know. Um, he's a similar buy-low to Michael Thomas, who I think is also a good play, as Daigle mentioned. So um, that part of it is kind of hard for me to register because I think we do have to put our, our, ourselves in the mind of a voter, and I just can't really like wrestle with some of the stuff. I don't really know what those prerequisites are when someone's making this vote. So a lot of it, too, is going to be narrative-driven in the season. And I think the Henry to McCaffrey thing is that Henry's also tied to a team that's been mostly a playoff performer the last couple of years. So if he's back in fully like, full strength, and they're still in playoff mix versus McCaffrey's on a team that we're expecting to maybe be in middling in the season, maybe the bottom and, you know, picking very early again next year. So he'd have to do some pretty tremendous things to be comeback player of the year in my mind, if they're terrible. But again, uh, this one's a little bit harder to put my thumb on. Yeah, no, that's, that's very fair. Um, Jeff Feinberg brought up some other good ones here in the chat. Uh, Chase Young, uh, 20 to one, I think is, you know, somewhat interesting if he comes back and just absolutely crushes it um you know it isn't really uh, it isn't really a year with a ton of guys that i like at the top i think Mac michael thomas is a good shot by daigle but again i think deshaun watson's just like a, a massive fish play um even if he has a great season uh i mean james winston is coming back from what you know like well he got hurt in the middle of the season but i mean lasik I, yeah. I guess yeah he was hurt for a little bit but yeah. still that's the point. so it's a, it's a strange one to me I would advise uh, holding off. Uh, this market is not a market that I am going to be dabbling in because there seems to be a ton of variables. Like I like the Chase Young look, but like he's not even available in some spots. It kind of goes to tell you that like the books don't even know really how to price some of this stuff. And the books that he is priced at, he's at like 16. So like he's not like a super duper long shot. You know what I mean? So kind of a tricky one. Uh, yeah, let's move on to defensive player of the year. A little bit easier to get into. Uh, for the most part, we have three big dogs at the top here. Uh, we have the 2020 winner, Aaron Donald. We have last year, their winner, TJ Watts, along with, I believe, the preseason favorite last year, which is Miles Garrett. Um, winning is important, but you don't have to win historically for defensive player. You're going to have a dominant season. You know, TJ Watt, obviously the Steelers snuck into the playoffs last year at the end, um, but Watt was probably going to win that award regardless because of his um, – you know, sack total. So this doesn't have to fit the MVP mode where we need to be on a strong winner day. Well, any thoughts at the top of the board? Just like defensive rookie of the year, it really comes down to sacks. And so I don't even 
really think too long about this one. I don't really bet it because to me, it should just have Aaron Donald's name on it because that's where the conversation always should start. And then from there, uh, if someone has um, a good number, but otherwise, not too many thoughts to be quite honest with you. I mean, there's like five. There's like five guys who I think really. I mean, are, this, this market is very top heavy. I mean, it's these, you know, whatever five guys here at the top. I think that all are just, you know, really, really strong looks. And Garrett Watts, uh, Donald Parsons, and Nick Bosa. Um, so it's kind of tough to get like out of those. Uh, you know, we have some some Chase Chase Young shouts uh, in the back here. We got twenty five to one on him. I mean, again, it, he is the type of player that I think could probably make a vault, but. Beyond that, we've seen Donald won it, uh, I mean, three of the last four years before last season. Um, prior to him, it was, like you mentioned, the J.J. Watt Award won three times from 2012 to 2015. Um, Svon Gilmore was the last corner to win it uh, since Rod Woodson in, in 2009. Uh, so, you know, really, I think betting on a corner, especially given kind of the current atmosphere of corners, is probably not, uh, you know, a sharp thing to do. I think you're looking at probably a pass rusher, like a dominant pass rusher. So if you want to get you know, a little bit crazy down the board. I think Chase Young, 25 to one is not a bad look. Um, but other than that, I think that you're best off just kind of picking your favorite at the top here among those five guys that I listed. Also remember, Stephon Gilmore was the product of a bad year to pick that award. Uh, no one did anything. And so they just gave it to the best cornerback in the league. Um, even he didn't really deserve it, honestly. So uh, <laughs> it was kind of a give up that year. Yeah, Chandler Jones for that same premise, 66 uh, on MG MGM, um, again, sacks, you know, go moving to Vegas. You have a new team there. Um, you know, he goes out and, you know, puts up 20. I think he's in the mix deeper down the board who, again, this is a guy that has the ability to put up sacks, similar to the guys at the top of the board, but we're getting him at uh, significantly deeper odds. The question we need answered is why is Darius Leonard wearing a hat, Connor? Um, can we scroll down <laughs> to Darius Leonard's picture here? It's pretty magical. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, not entirely sure what's going on there i don't know but i love it and uh <laughs> it was worth a highlight so easter egg um, yeah yeah love it shout out sports data we appreciate you yeah so sacks um uh, sacks are king there's a reason that these three guys uh or really even the, the six guys i think you see here above the fold are here um they make a ton of sense they are on for the most pa most parts you know national teams will have lots of primetime games and uh you know, those things matter too. And, uh, you know, while sacks are important, I don't know that they're necessarily always the best indicator, but again, this is how these awards are given out and you're compiling that number and that stat, you're going to be in the mix for this one. So I expect these uh, five, six guys to, to be prominently featured. That's why I like Chandler Jones is kind of a deep buried play because he's checking that same box. Um, you know, Trey Hendricks is similar, but Hendricks is even shorter than Chandler Jones. I think Chandler Jones is a better player. So that'd be as deep as I would go. I just keep struggling to take, and I'm not saying everyone is off, but I keep struggling to consider Chase Young as a serious candidate just because thinking about the kind of game scripts they'll likely be in with Carson Wentz. But at the same time, it didn't matter for TJ Watt. We talked about earlier with Ben Roethlisberger, who shouldn't have been in there anyways. And also the Washington per Warren Sharp strength of schedule right now uh, does have the league's easiest projected schedule, which certainly helps. So um, maybe if they can establish some kind of running game, they will be in favorable game scripts. So Chase Young, yeah, uh, I think there's you, there's ways to look at it from both sides. We'll move on to the rookies, Connor. Uh, offensive Rookie of the Year. We have uh, 15 of the past 18 were first-round picks. Um, nine of those were QBs, the outliers in that. Uh, Alvin Kamara, Dak, and Eddie Lacy, which is very interesting. Um, when there's a viable QB in the mix, they often win. Now, this is an interesting year. We have a QB at the top of the board, but really outside of that, um, we don't really have, you know, it was only the one quarterback in the first round. So it is an interesting year where we might have a non-QB in the mix. Um, we see Kenny Pickett there as the, the favorite everywhere else. But then, again, lots of other first-round picks. Uh, Dago, what are your thoughts here on Offensive Rookie of the Year? I think for wide receivers, there's no one that gets maybe – more targets easily, but also more efficient targets than Traylon Burks. He makes the most sense by a mile to be the breakout wide receiver. I don't trust Jahan Dotson even starting from Carson Wentz. Don't trust Garrett Wilson from Zach Wilson. The list goes on and on and on. Chris Olave, sure, but also he has a hump there with Michael Thomas, um, who we still believe is the more superior wide receiver and also gets targets in easier-to-catch spots. So we expect the stats to be better at least. So 
I only get to Traylon Burks. Having said that, I think there is a long shot possibility in Desmond Ritter, if only because this offense is going to be so bad, and more importantly, the offensive line is already bad and only got worse this offseason and the players they lost. I saw Ben Baldwin. Why am I, why am I, I lost his name. Uh, ben Baldwin mentioned ESPN's pass blocking statistics individually for offensive linemen. And if you look at the bottom 20, he screenshotted on Twitter, three of Falcons starting offensive linemen are actually in the bottom nine. Like this offensive line is not capable of pass blocking for a quarterback. We don't even think is capable of running the offense. And so of course it makes sense to get Desmond Ritter in there. And so even if Kenny Pickett starts, I don't think it matters at all. Like I I don't care. Um, I think Ritter's the long shot you want to pick here and just hope he succeeds. I don't, I don't even think he can succeed in your one, but that's what I'm willing to put, you know, your 20 to 50 bucks on and let it sit there and burn until January. Uh, You know, I'm not betting really any other option here. Yeah, I like the Ritter uh, call for that same reason. I think that makes a ton of sense. And I think that's another reason why a little bit further down the board, I wish it was longer down the board, is Matt Corral. Because, again, if quarterbacks are in the mix here, they're going to be viable. He's probably not day one starter. But, again, like an injury, something happens, he gets to start the majority of those games and is is decent at all. Um, again, like I think if you're playing into this market, I think your best bet is to sprinkle at the non-day one starters. Malik Willis. Desmond Ritter, Matt Corral, knowing that if something happens between now and then, your best bet is that that's going to be significantly shorter, right? You're going to have some massive closing line value uh, comparatively to where we are now. So um, versus like splitting hairs, because I can get there on Drake London, similar to Traylon Burks, where I just think like poor offenses, minimal target competition, they're all kind of in the same boat for me. Whereas if all of a sudden Matt Corral, or Desmond Ritter is starting week two, week three, they're very much in the mix, um, knowing that Kenny Pickett may not start on week one, and if he does, might not keep his job all season long as well. So, again, like in this quarterback class, it might come down to games started, and even though these guys might not be pegged for day one, they very much could lead their team in starts. So that would be how I would approach this, Connor. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm not sure I can really get there with like the quarterbacks that you know aren't immediately starting just because – Uh, I mean, for the reasons you guys mentioned, you know, like they're not going to play well when they are the starter because they're in terrible situations. Uh, And that's like, especially with a guy like, uh, you know, Ritter, uh, you know, I would probably want something closer to 20, 25 to one. Uh, But at the same time, I think that this market is pretty tough. I thought that Traylon Traylon Burks and Drake London are in by far the best situations to receive work. Uh, I mean, this, as you mentioned at the top, like this is not necessarily a quarterback market, just six of the last 12 winners have been quarterbacks. So, you know, the other last, uh, or the other two have been wide receivers and the other four were running backs. Uh, so, I mean, I think that this wide receiver class in particular, a lot of draft capital, most of them went to at least good situations to get volume. I think that guys like London or Burks are probably the favorites, even though, you know, London may not be very efficient with his targets. Um, you mentioned Olave. I think that kind of taking a speculative play on that, if Michael Thomas does not progress, could be a good look at like 10, 12 to one. Uh, and same with Jamison Williams, if his, if his uh, rehab is coming back, I think that that's interesting as well because, you know, he's in a, in a pretty good situation. I mean, I, I know that there are other guys there who will command targets, but I, I think that I'm more attracted to the skill players here um, rather than the quarterbacks just because this, you know, award hasn't necessarily historically been a quarterback market uh, in general. Any, will, any, yeah, here you can go. I, I will refute the wide receiver comment because it took two of the greatest wide res- rookie wide receiver ever, two of the greatest rookie wide receiver seasons ever as well to win those awards, and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Like, those were top-tier prospects to begin with. Jamar Chase profiled as 21-year-old Des Bryant, and Justin Jefferson actually outperformed Jamar Chase when they played together. So, like, like they, they were all... Those two guys were in a league of their own. So, like, I don't care that they won offensive rookie of the year. They like they could have also been thrown in for MVP for all I care. And so, like, I don't I don't know if I consider it really a, a wide receiver award just for two anomaly situations. Yeah, I guess I guess that's fair, but it's not like I mean they're they're going off the board here, like comparing to like it's not just wide receivers are winning. It's the point is that it's not quarterbacks, right? Like it's just not always quarterbacks. Uh, so like you know running backs who are thrown into good situations. A lot of the ones that are not in the first round were were running backs that ended up winning. Um, so I guess looking further down the board, guys who could have see some work, you know, a guy like Rashad White could, um, you know, like, I mean, maybe, 
James Cook, you know, like those guys could end up seeing enough work, but that's pretty thin. So. These are just, yeah, these are just so, these are different situations than last year though for the rookies. Yeah, yeah, I guess like we still need, like it would be Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker, in my opinion, who wants to be called Ken Walker now because they only have one hill, right? Like one player gets out of the way and the backfield is theirs. Whereas there are like, so many other hoops to jump for the others. Like they're not in good situations. And they also don't have the skill set to be used in such situations. Yeah, I don't know. I why mean, the issue with these guys, we're pretending that like Rashad White is next man up. If uh, something were to happen, we're not. We're that. not. We're not. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm no. Not. I mean, he's like sixty to one. So you know, it's like, uh, you know, well, I mean, like guys like Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker, as you mentioned, are probably the likeliest candidates outside of the first round to you know win this award. But at the same time, like they're priced accordingly. One, so nine to one, Brees Hall, twelve to one for Kenneth Walker. And they also have like, you know, I would say substantial issues with them being successful in terms of Brees Hall playing on the Jets and having to some kind of split and workload with Michael Carter and the Kenneth Walker playing on the Seahawks and not catching passes. So I think those are both pretty substantial, you know, roadblocks for them as well. I mean, honestly, the more that we talk about this, the more I think that this award kind of sucks and that the, like the, the current, the current landscape is pretty brutal. It represents the this class, like we we've known all along. This class, it's just the it's the time of the year where everyone likes talking about rookies. But never forget, we knew two months ago this was a bad class. Yeah, I kind of agree. Uh, there's some other you know darts maybe, but again, we're it's super we're super thin and it's really thin. It's not great. Uh, move on to the defensive rookie of the year. Um, little little less than some stuff at the top. Trend here is pretty strong. We have 29 of the past 32. Winners were first-round picks. All 32 were selected in the top 40. So early day two guys, uh, which there are a few here defensively, uh, would have a chance theoretically to be viable plays. Uh, Connor, is there anything at the top of this market that is of interest to you? I mean, for this market, it's, it's again, a little bit less scientific, but and there aren't a ton of positional requirements. But like the main factors you have to look for is uh, like a guy who's going to play a lot and generally on a team with a good defense. So we kind of look at the past winners. We have guys like Micah Parsons. I mean, the Cowboys defense ended up being pretty solid last year. Chase Young on Washington, Nick Bosa, you know, like th those guys are like guys who were key contributors on like good defenses or at least like, you know, not terrible defenses, essentially. Um, so I think that kind of like looking at that for the market, I think a guy that I know that the safety position is devalued, but like a guy like Kyle Hamilton could be interesting is like a longer shot, just like not right off the top of the board here. Um, you know, like 10 to one, 11 to one here at bad MGM. But otherwise I think that Hutchinson and Thibodeau are, are pretty hard to get off in terms of guys that are going to have, you know, good numbers, but again, they don't, they don't play on like good defenses. So I think that they, they might not get the notoriety, uh, you know, of, of some, some other guys further down the board who could like kind of leap into this discussion if they have, you know, a couple of good games, a couple of counting stats, and they play on a strong defense. Yeah. Um, Diggle, any thoughts that you have here? I usually chase sacks. Uh, it could be a linebacker award. And the fact that we have... We are the last 10. So mm, okay. I would punch a hole uh, for that. So it, it's probably a situation when we're looking at starting edges and hoping they get there. And that does, again, it goes back to the favorites for me. So long shots, I don't really have an opinion. Yeah, um, kind of with you. Like again, even the some of these linebackers, like Micah Parsons last year, part of it was because of the sacks. So yeah, theoretically, he was a, a linebacker um, by position, but like he transformed that defense in his own game by basically being an edge rusher when they had some injuries. He was also a once in a generation defender. Um, you know, we didn't know it at the time, but we knew his athletic profile. We knew he's a superb athlete, but. It was always the idea that he was rangy, sideline to sideline, not that he could rush the passer. Not only did he do that dominantly, he also has some of the best like one-on-one -on -one coverage chops of anyone in that class, even including cornerbacks. And that's why he was a defensive MVP runner-up, not just rookie of the year runner-up. So like it, it, that was a case of a player being so good that they were like, and just discussed alongside Aaron Donald for another award entirely. So yeah, you would have to hope that you know, Thibodeau or Hutchinson are in that class. Hey, Connor, what do you got here? Yeah, I mean, I re really not too much. I think, you know, kind of going, looking at the top here, I think you guys said it. Um, it. This is just another tough award to break down with this with this class because there's a couple strong guys at the top, but I'm just not really sure that they match the kind of criteria that I'm looking for and especially kind of only getting five to one, five and a half to one, just not something I'm super interested in betting at the top here, especially tying up my money for that long. Uh, I mean... 
I don't know, like how I think we kind of have to bet Daxton Hill for the brand, right? Like, isn't that just like a, a brand thing at this point or I can get there. <laughs> uh, Daxton Hill and, uh, you know, Kyrie Elam, I think are both interesting, right? So like if Elam is attached to um, a good team, if, you know, if they're playing good football, they're kind of the runaway favorites in the AFC and he has a nice year. I think you could tell yourself a story, uh, especially if none of the edge rushers are dominant in their first year. I think that gets a little bit easier. Um, all these guys right here, except Drake Jackson, are just make the cutoff um, as far as like the top 40 pick thresholds. Um, you know, McCreary was just in in there. Um, Ibikati was just at that mark. He was like 39. Kyle, uh, Kyler Gordon just qualifies. So these guys are all kind of just in there. So again, thinking if there's a 32-year trend of, of uh, top 40 picks. So you'd have to have a guy kind of break the mold here deep down the board. So, um, yeah, I mean, I can get there on, on Dax Hill again. I want, we've talked about this a little bit. We talked about it in the draft review show. Like I wanted to be there with you. Cause I, and maybe you changed too. We'll get there. It made sense that we would maybe want to short the Bengals, but they've had a hell of an off season and I feel, I mean, their schedule is pretty tough and it's gonna be hard to replicate what they did, but man, they're, they've done a really nice job improving uh, a football team that was probably lucky again, to go to the Super Bowl the way it broke for them, but um, they definitely are putting themselves in the mix to be contenders. And the way Dax Hill's game plays, I think could uh, could be a nice look. So they go back, or they have another nice look. Thirty five will be significantly shorter come uh, come the the winter. Yeah, I don't know. We got uh, well, we got Coach of the Year left. That, that Coach our of last, the Year. That's our last. Yeah, that's actually one of the. I think one of the better awards. I would love uh, to get your takes on Coach of the Year because uh, this is a. An interesting one to me. I don't really know how to uh, how to approach it. We have another year of Brandon Staley being the favorites. Um, Nathaniel Hackett right there as well. Connor, you have some thoughts maybe historically. I know we've seen a lot of steam on Dan Campbell over the last couple of weeks. Uh, any thoughts on Coach D? No, I, I think that's – I mean, at 60-1, to 1, it was a fine look, but I think it's kind of like a, a bad play at this point. Um, like, So th- this award is not only about – it's, it's about exceeding expectations and getting the team to win 10 games. In the past 20 years, every coach to win the win the award outside of Bruce Arians, who was, you know, like the interim coach uh, who went nine and three, they've all won 10 or more games. So it's not only about exceeding expectations and being like in that kind of like lower to middle tier, but you also have to take that next step, like into like being a playoff team. So, I mean, the Lions, sure, they can take a next step and win like eight or nine games, but I think that there's a very slim chance that they're winning like 10 plus games. And if they do, I guess Dan Campbell's coach of the year, but I don't know. I mean, I think even them winning eight games is like a, a pretty big reach. Uh, so for me, the two that I let, think were interesting, uh, like Nick Sirianni, 20 to one. Uh, I think that that's an interesting look because we like kind of the, the criteria that we talk about there is there a middling team, eight and a half, nine win total, like a team that could make the jump, win the division in the Eagles. Like, you know, I think that that's the kind of guy you're looking for. So at 20 to one, I think that that's like a better, almost a better play and a shorter play than betting like Jalen Hurts MVP because they could still be really good. And Jalen Hurts is just like, you know, slightly above average and not MVP caliber. Whereas Sirianni, um, you know, like could easily win coach of the year if the Eagles make the playoffs. I think that that's like probably my favorite look on the board here. Those watching the video are getting a treat because I'm glistening since the AC here broke. In the past 24 hours, it's been not only mid-80s outdoors, it's 89 indoors. I only have one window, the wall here. And so it's just, it's so miserably hot. That's why also why I'm very short-winded and uh, would like to get off very soon. Um, anyways, though, I... How do you sleep in that? I can I could not sleep in that. Dude, oh, we'll probably love it, dude. He's, I, I, I he slept, loves 80 degrees. I slept with a towel underneath the towel. Like, it, it's just, or on a towel. It's crazy, dude. It's it's unimaginable. It's like a spa. You can come um, over if you want to sleep, you want to sleep over. I mean, they could they come in the mor- they come in the morning supposedly, so it's only one more day. But yeah, as everyone can see on the video right now. I'm literally sweating. Uh, no, so winning a narrative matter more than anything for this award. Uh, they did they played it so well last year, and Vrabel doing the most with the least, and then Rick Rich uh, Rick Basaccia getting it over Bengals coach. Zach I Taylor. lost my train of thought. Zach Taylor. That's it. Zach Taylor. Uh, getting the award over Zach Taylor, who is who is a hack. Um, and if anything, put Joe Burrow in far more detrimental situations that he does put sets him up to succeed. And so they did get it right last year. And so that's what I look for. And honestly, like if the Eagles overcome, like they don't have a lack of talent 
but like they are overshadowed still by teams that get more national primetime games that get more attention, like the Cowboys, like a Giants with Brian Dable and uh, uh, Bills front office that basically just took everyone there and are now trying to rebuild the organization. The Eagles are always overlooked. And so if they do well enough against, again, what Sharp is projecting as the third easiest schedule in the entire league, like that's how Nick Sirianni wins this award. So I agree with Connor. I'm on Nick Sirianni as well. I think it's the best play for some of the reasons you guys highlighted. Uh, again, this entire market is basically crunched at 20. There's a couple guys shorter 20. Um, you know, again, Mike McDaniel, you have to tell yourself a story that they're winning the division. Can't get there. Uh, much easier to tell myself a story that Sean McDermott at longer odds, they have the dominant season that we expect, and he gets rewarded for that at 18 than Mike McDaniel at 16. So, again, you have the two uh, AFC West guys, at the very top with, with uh, Brandon Staley and Nathan Hackett. Again, if one of them emerges and they become the winner, that makes sense too. Otherwise, you're looking way down the board uh, at the – you know, no one's longer than 50, which is remarkable to me. That seems wrong. Um, again, not a, not a market for me, but I think you guys made a, a good case for Sirianni who would definitely be my lean. So uh, let's get Daigle out of here, man. I can't, I can't watch him suffer like it's, this. It's miserable, right? Yeah, you can tell. He needs like, a cold it's, shower. It's bad. I don't mind doing it. Y'all have seen me eat hot wings and I always – That's true. That's, I don't yeah. mind doing that. – that's fine. Like this is a permanent – it just builds. It <laughs> yeah, just keeps you on. get to like have the pleasure of the hot wing. This is yeah. just like – This is not pleasure. This no. is like something that happened. It just happened to finally not get cold in Chicago and the AC broke immediately. It's miserable. It's been bad. I've been working from like cafes because this is bad. Connor, any final thoughts? No, not really. I think that we had – a a decent number of, you know, kind of like longer shot mid shot bets that are uh, pretty good value. And, uh, will probably change closer to the season. I mean, we'll probably mention these awards too, I guess, like, you know, as we get a little bit more, uh, reports, you know, in camp kind of look at, especially like the rookie awards, things like that. Uh, you know, a lot of that will kind of change based on, you know, what's going on, what we're seeing. So we'll, we'll refer back to these, but I think this is kind of a good start. If you want to just sprinkle a few bets here to kind of get a little portfolio going for the awards. I don't mind starting with that. Yeah. This is a sprinkle market at this point, in my opinion, be smart with these things. Um, you can tell yourself a story that at 101 makes a lot of sense. Uh, and you can be DOA very, very soon. So be smart. Uh, there are a lot of ways to bet. There are a lot of ways to bet the NFL, um, don't go ahead and overextend yourself in the awards market just because it's the only thing that we can bet right now. So um, I would try to just, you know, encourage you to be cautious a little bit. So uh, yeah, we got the NBA draft soon. So like that's going to be something that we can make some money on between now and then. And if you want to sink all your NBA draft winnings, go ahead and do so. So uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, we will do something along the lines of schedule release, uh, the odds that are coming out with that. Um, but we'll be back same spot on Wednesday. So for Daigle and Connor, I'm Ryan. We'll see y'all soon. Yeah. <laughs>